0: Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I wanna thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it for Jesus one time across this place. Man, we're so excited you guys are here today, and as we're kicking off our soundtrack series, and uh, I'm so excited about this series, because um, how many guys know the soundtrack that plays in the background of a scene can change the way it looks, right? Like, as we just saw, and uh, man, we, uh, me and my wife, we go to the movies some. I'm not a huge moviegoer. Um, I, I do love movies, but she loves going to the movies, but her favorite part of the movie is the 20 minutes before the movie starts, Come on, where, where are all the previews, people, at? I want to see the previews. I want to see what's coming up next. I despise you people. <laughs> You're the reason we all have to sit through them. Uh, so. No, she's uh, like, uh, well, if the movie starts at 6.30, I'm like, we ain't got to get there to like 6.45, 6.50. We don't need to, you know what I mean? She's like, uh, no, we need to get there at 6 and get our popcorn and get to, you know, like, let's get our seats. I want to watch the previews. I'm like, oh, dear heavens. So we did that um, somewhat recently. It was a little while back, but we went and we went to the movies and the previews. It was one of those weeks where every single preview was a scary movie. So it was like demonic movie after and I was like I don't think so right and so but what I thought was funny is like it was one of those deals where as soon as the movie trailer started it was just like a scene of a house but it was that eerie background music y'all know what I'm talking you, immediately you're just like nope <laughs> come on y'all know what I'm talking about you just start staring at your popcorn like I don't even know I'm not finna get scared by a nun or something you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> and so uh and it, and it even furthered what I'm talking about with this idea that the music that plays in the background really sets the scene for what's happening in, in, in what you're watching, right? And I, and I wondered what it translated to our lives because I think we all have soundtracks that play in our lives. Like, like, as a matter of fact, you all right now, you have music, you have things that can take you to core memories that you think about, right? Like, To, to case in point, let me, I'll show you, if you, you see if it resonates with you. Go ahead and play them, guys. See, some of y'all know already. Some of y'all instantly got transported to a different time, maybe a different life. All right. So some of y'all, some of y'all like, I don't know this music. Don't worry about it. If you don't know it, you don't need to know it. So, but some of you right now, you are, you can see yourself in a car with somebody right now listening to it. Now, ladies, this one's for you because I think this one's going to resonate with you a little more. All right. See, that's for you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. This next one. Guys, turn it up for this next one, though, because I think, I think most people are gonna resonate with this. There you go, see? You're welcome, everyone from the 70s and 80s. That was for you, you're welcome. I'm not gonna leave you guys out, all right? But maybe you remember being in the locker room with this one. Yo, yo. Come on, anybody from my era, you remember that? Come on, you got two pins going to somebody's freestyling in the locker room, right there. Come on. Yeah, somebody on the drum line that could do this, right there. You know what I'm talking about? Exactly, see? Now, there's another one, though. If you did that on the locker, then you're definitely going to remember the next one that's coming up, which is right here. All right, here we go. Come on, y'all know it. You know, you remember this song from high school if you were from my era. Some of you are like, I don't know that song either. Don't worry. If you didn't know number one, you don't know number five. All right, so just don't don't sweat it. It's all good. All <laughs> right. Because we all have these soundtracks. Of, listen, some of you, you could go right to a scene in your life where you remember listening to that song in that place at that time, right? When I think of it, like, if I listen to Stan by Eminem, right? Like, I am transported to my friend Alex's bedroom at his grandma's house listening to that song on repeat, right? If I, like, if, if I hear uh, Hit the Flow by Dirty Boys, I'm instantly transported to Jimbo's Blazer riding down the street on Mobile Highway. Like, it's take, it takes me right there, all right? Uh, if I listen to anything by Dave Matthews, man, I'm instantly transported to Tringa's music, watching a 10 inch TV and seeing the best drummer of all time, like playing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Why? Because there are these soundtracks that like as soon as you hear them, it takes you to a place. Right. And here's the reason I say all this, because I believe that all of us have soundtracks that are playing in the background of our lives. Because a soundtrack sets the scene for how you view what's happening in front of you. And many of us have soundtracks that play in our minds that dictate the environment we're living our life in, right? And it's uh, one of the guys, Seth, he wrote this in a New York Times article uh, about how we interact with music. He says this, We found it interesting how clear the patterns were and how much early adolescence matters. This also adds one more piece of evidence to the growing scientific consensus that we never really leave middle school and high school. That's what he said. Matter of fact, they did a study and they showed how for females, the music between 11 and 14 years old becomes and shapes the music they listen to for the rest of their lives. That's why for many of you ladies, the Backstreet Boy Sync era is your life song. Okay, like... It will be what you listen to when you're in your 80s, all right? You can't get away from it because it helped shape it for you. Now, whatever, for some of you, maybe you're older than that, and it's a different era of music, right? For some of you, you're younger than that, and that's why you can't stop telling everyone Justin Bieber's the best artist of all time when we know it's a lie, okay? So, so don't you put him up there with Michael Jackson, Prince, Bruno Mars, none of them. Don't don't start with me, okay? so But I say all that to say... All right. I say all that to say is it shapes for boys. It's a little later. It's between 13 and 16, which is why it doesn't matter how saved you get when next episode comes on. You can't help but just like, yeah, I remember that. Right. Or whatever the music is from your era. Now, what does this mean for you and this sermon and all of those things? Well, here's what I thought about. Because if music encapsulates a certain era of our lives and it actually creates this background music narrative for what we love, what we listen to, and actually kind of shapes the environment for us, I wonder if our thoughts work the same way. Matter of fact, I put it like this. Could it be that the thoughts and ideas we adopt during those time frames also become the mantras that we live by? So what if the way you were raised, what you heard, the environment, what if all of those things actually cultivated the very mantra, the very background music, the very environment? What if everything that happened to you during this one particular time frame of your life is actually dictating what you hear and the way that you live, even now that you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and so on? What if it cultivated an environment, and what if it's not the environment you want? And using soundtracks as a series, we're going to help expose those things, but then also aim to change some of those things if they're not right for you. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, Paul is talking, and he says this. He says, We destroy, I'm sorry, he says, the weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. Some of you know the passage in a different translation says they're not uh, carnal, right? They're not of this world. He says this, on the contrary, they have. The divine power to demolish strongholds, all right? And then he goes on to say this. He says, we destroy arguments and all arrogance that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And this is the part that I want you to get. Are you ready? We take every, what? Thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. And so what I want to introduce to you today is important because the way we view God, or the way we view ourselves, dictates the way we view God. The background music that plays in our life is also the background music that plays in how we interact with God. And I'm going to show you that in a few minutes. But John Acuff says this in his book called Soundtracks. He says, over the years, you've built a soundtrack about your career You have a soundtrack for your relationships, you have a soundtrack you believe about your hopes, your dreams, your goals, and every other aspect of your life. In other words, you have something playing in the background and it is dictating how you view everything else in life. The question is, is it what you want? So I'll create a scenario for you to help you understand how this works. Something good is happening in your life But because every time something good happened in your life before, something bad happened right after, as you're looking at a good thing, you're hearing bad music. And that's how your thoughts can run away from you, right? And we're going to go to Matthew 13, because in Matthew 13, that's where we're going to stay for the rest of today. Because Jesus gives us a parable. He's talking with his disciples, and he he gives them a parable about how they're living their life and how they're interacting with the kingdom. And as he does that, he kind of lays out the framework for what I want to show you today when it comes to our thoughts. And he says this, let's read it together. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. However, other seed fell on, say those two words with me, good soil, where it produced a crop of 160 or 30 times what was sown. And I want to show you for the next few minutes, and we're actually outlining today as kind of an introduction for what we're going to talk about for the next seven weeks. And as we do this, I want to show you how your thoughts are playing music in the background of your life and how those thoughts may be creating an environment where you're not living the life God wants you to live. Because hear me, God doesn't just want to do something to your life. We say it all the time here at TC. He wants to do something, say it with me, through your life. So it's not just that God wants something to happen to you. He wants to do something in you so that then he uses you to do something through other people. So God has a desire to do that, but we have to understand how we can shape our life so that we can start changing those things and living the life that God wants us to live. And so our thoughts are being developed. And I want to show you three ways that your thoughts are being developed that you may not have even realized it. And the first one is your thoughts are developed by the words that are spoken over us. The words that are spoken over us. How many guys know the words that have been spoken over us can shape the life that we live? I want you to think about this for a second. Like you, some of you, You have been shaped by words that were declared over you. You were told you'll never be anything. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're not good enough. You'll never be enough. You're you're never going to accomplish anything. You're never going to amount to anything. And for some of us, and I, I would dare say for most of us, we have shaped our life trying to either prove those things right or prove them wrong. we've spent so much time, and if we're honest, I believe every single one of us can resonate to a degree with the idea that those words have become our identity. And so we've spent our whole life, for some of us even decades, trying to disprove or prove these words that have been declared over us. It literally has shaped the environment that we've allowed ourselves to live in, and then we wonder why we're struggling so much with who we are. Like we, we've, we've literally embraced it. There's a story about a man named Billy Hornsby who became a great entrepreneur and actually ended up launching ARC, which is the church planning network we plant churches through. I'm going to give you the short version of the story. But one day he was in school around eight or nine years old and he was in class and he did something the teacher didn't love. And, and she looked at him and said, Billy, you're never going to amount to anything. A few years after that, he dropped out of high school. And he lived his whole life struggling as a high school dropout. And and not too long after that, uh, he went and put in an application for an engineering job at the plant. And after you put in the application, the, they, they called him in. They said, Billy, we want you to come in. We want to talk to you because you, the test you took, this assessment, we want to talk to you about it. And Billy said, I know I failed it. I don't need to come all the way up here. Just tell me that I didn't get the job. I'll, I'll keep looking. And they said, no, Billy, we really want you to come in. And he said, I don't need to come in. Just, just tell me I failed. And they're like, Billy, please, Mr. Hornsby, come in. We want to talk to you about this test. And he goes up there. And when he gets there, they said, no one's ever scored higher on this test ever. And the guy looked at me and said, Billy, if you would apply yourself, you could really amount to something someday. And he literally said the same words in reverse to what his teacher told him when he was a kid. And from that day forward, he started working and applying himself, and he became one of the great entrepreneurs of the southeast and became a million, and then ended up launching, being part of launching Art Church Planning, which is who we give to today to help launch churches all over the the nation, right? But hear me, some words were spoken, and suddenly God was able to use new words to cultivate a new environment, but how many guys know words have power? Now, I'm not talking about like name it and claim it gospel stuff or like I'm claiming a boat in Jesus name. That's not that's that's not what I'm talking about. Right. Right. I'm claiming a Ferrari. No, I don't think that's quite how that's going to work. Although. If you get one, remember this moment. All right. <laughs> I want to drive it. All right. Anyway, so but I say all that and say words have power. That's why Proverbs 18, 21 says the tongue has the power of Life and death. I'm going to say it again. The tongue has the power. They'll put it on the screen. What does it say? Life and death. Literally, our words have power. And so we need to be careful. Listen, it's not only that they shaped it for us, but how are we shaping it for other people? Scientists have proven that once you speak words into existence, they literally vibrate throughout the universe forever. And if we were intentional, if we paid more attention to the fact that you can never take your words back, how much differently would we speak with them? Like, how, how much differently will we talk to our kids or our spouse or whoever? Like, it would change the way we interact with one another if we knew we could never take those words back. And so we have to understand that words shape they shape us. They they become things that can change us, but it's not just words. How many of you guys know environments that we were raised in do that as well? So it's the words that were spoken over us, but how many of you guys know it's environments that we were raised in? How many of you guys know the environments you were raised in can help dictate who you become? So, for example, for some people, they'll sit in my office and they'll say, my grandfather was an alcoholic, my father was an alcoholic, I'm going to be an alcoholic, because some people have surrendered that they will duplicate what they were raised in. Like they've just surrendered that this is just how things are going to be. And so environments cultivate it. because how many guys know sometimes it's generational. There are so many people that come in and they just say, listen, that's just the way it was. My my grandmama was poor. My mom was poor. I'm going to be poor. Well, I'm here to tell you today. Granted, there are systemic issues and we're going to continue to speak to those things. But for a lot of people, it has nothing to do with what's on the outside. It has to do with what's going on on the inside. We've embraced this is just how it's going to be. Well, maybe it's not how it's going to be. But I'm here to tell you today, we underestimate how much environments dictate to us who we are. How the environments that we're raised in, how many of you have ever noticed there are so many people, and I see this in women specifically more than men, but they'll, they'll say, my father was this way and I'll never get into a relationship that looks like that. And before you know it, guess where they are in a relationship that looks exactly like that. Because the environment they were raised in Is shaping what they're looking for. That's one of the things uh, people come to us all the time. People like to talk to us about church hurt. And I just want to be honest with you for a second. Like church hurt is not when someone didn't text you back. Okay, so like let's just be be real clear about it for a second. But there was, when I was younger, because this happened to me. When I was younger, uh, a church that my father pastored at, tried to destroy our family, literally tried to destroy his life and our family. I know what real church hurt looks like when the deacon board meets to try to destroy your family. I know what that looks like. And I'm here to tell you today, if we can forgive, some of y'all need to just get over yourselves. All right. But that's for a different sermon in Jesus name. But I say all that to say even though we've all been through a lot, what happened was we were in environments where, where people were trying to destroy us. And I'm here to tell you, there are elements of what h- tried to happen to our family when I was 10 years old that have shaped who I am at 36. Like it, Those environments created something in me that I, st- I, I meet with a counselor once a month. To process some of that, which if that's permission for any of you that might need to talk to a therapist or counselor, go for it because your pastor does. Okay. So this whole, like, we're too spiritual to talk to people thing. I just need God. No, you might need a therapist too in Jesus name. All right. So, but I say all that to say, I say all that to say is that literally it, it shaped who I became as a young man and still to a degree is shaping who I am today. There are things I'm still dealing with, but here's what I want you to understand. The reason I love the church today was because the environment inside my home was stronger than what was happening outside my home. Like I had a, I had a father and a mother that said, no, 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 churches aren't this way. That church was this way. But the church is the local hope of the world. This is what's going to continue to preach the gospel. This is what Jesus died for. They might be knuckleheads." But we still have a church we're going to love, we're going to go to, we're going to be faithful, and God's going to lead us. And so we're not going to let that environment dictate this environment. And because my parents remained faithful with the Lord and raised me and my siblings to love Jesus, regardless of what some of Jesus' people did, it don't change the fact that we're going to continue to be faithful. And this environment is going to raise men and women that today love and worship God. And one of them standing on this platform speaking to you today, because environments change everything. But some of you weren't raised in environments like that. And I get it. Some of you are here today despite what feels like your parents' best efforts to drive you away from God. Like some of you are here today and that wasn't the environment you were raised in. You were raised in an environment that was actually hurting you and creating the trauma. But I'm here to tell you today, the environment you were raised in doesn't have to create a soundtrack that you view God through. It also doesn't have to create a soundtrack that you view the world through. But since none of us can control all of our environment, how many guys wish we could control all of our environments? Yeah, praise God, I would change something. You would change things about your work, your family. your like, go down the list, right? The reality is we can't do that, but we can be intentional about making sure that some of our environments are life-giving. And that's why small groups, we got a small group rally today. Come on, praise God. And so that's why small groups are so important for us, because even if you can't change all your environments, you can make sure that you're participating in at least one environment that's helping you become who God wants you to be. And that's why groups are so important, because the people in there want to help shape the life that you're living so that you're living the life that God wants you to live. And we got a story of one of our guys that joined a group last season that changed his life, and we want to show it to you now. Go ahead and roll it, guys.
1: My name is Glenn. born and raised in New Orleans. I moved to Baltimore, Maryland for about 10 years after Hurricane Katrina hit in 05. Uh, Moved back down to Louisiana for about five years from there. Uh, Had a really bad relationship where I caught my ex cheating on me and uh, I packed up and moved the very next day. I started going to church because a buddy of mine, uh, James, invited me to church. Uh, He's a coworker and just fell in love with just going to church again. Like it was something that I really needed. I met Allie there, Uh, then Allie and I left that church. Uh, She went over to TC and then that Wednesday we had a first Wednesday and she said, hey, you should come check it out. I was like, all right, church on a Wednesday. Like I've never done that before. So, you know, let's check it out. Uh, I went and Jonathan was leading the worship team and I was like, that's so crazy. Like I've never seen anybody like that. And uh, I was just, I was I was kind of hooked at that point. I was like, this is really cool. You know, it had a real good feel with the music and everything. Uh, I started coming back, you know, every Sunday after that. So I was a part of the men's lunch last season. I was there almost every single week. And then this uh, the season that we're coming to an end with right now is a part of Freedom. I mean, I was absolutely terrified the first time I went in there. You know, I'm going over to PB's house. There's a bunch of dudes that I, I only knew a couple of them. Um, but after a week or two of You know, just being there and catching the vibe of everybody. Some guys got a little more vulnerable in the beginning and I was just like, man, like I wanna, I wanna share something like that's happened to me like that. And then um, once I started sharing, I just wanted to share more. And it really felt cool because uh, I got a couple guys that I I called up a few times and like, yo, like I'm going through this man, you know, I need some help. And they're just like, bro, yeah, let me do this. And like, it's been super late at night. You know and i don't know it's just really cool to kind of have that but i was definitely super nervous at first i'm not gonna lie the biggest thing is the the bonds that i've formed with these dudes that i really didn't have that close of a relationship with before um that's like my favorite thing about it because i i'm a person who kind of recharges with other people i'm not the the hermit like i do like to be alone sometimes but if i'm feeling down and out like i go hang out with some people do something fun and that's that's kind of how I, I recharge myself, get all amped up again and, you know, stop thinking so negatively. Allie's told me that she's noticed that if I don't go, that I'm kind of, uh, I'm in need of going, you know, if, if I don't go, so. But what I would say about somebody who hasn't joined a TC group just yet is, what do you got to lose, dude? I mean, like, you know, if, if, if that's something that you're searching for, why would you not want to go out there and just go give it a try? You know, I, uh, I didn't feel the most confident when I first did it, but now I'm trying to lead my own group next uh, semester. You know, like, you just gotta go for it. You know, put your pride aside, give it a shot. If you don't like it, well, I mean, you could say, hey, I tried it, you know, but you just gotta give it, at least walk into it with open arms and just like try to absorb everything that you can. Let down your guard, jump in there. The guy's got a plan for you. I know you know it, and if you don't know it, then go to a group and let them prove to you.
0: Man, shout-out to, <clears throat> shout to, to Glenn, and uh, we don't do this for everybody, but uh, since this is video, him, him and Allie actually just got married this past weekend. So shout-out to you guys. Uh, I know they're watching online on their honeymoon, or ne- never mind. Uh, so good for you. But, uh, man, we're <laughs> talking about how soundtracks shape your life. So it's the words that get spoken of us, it's the environments we live in, but how many guys also know that it's expectations that were placed on us can shape our thoughts? Expectations that were, that were placed on us about how we need to do this, and we gotta make sure we're doing this and we gotta, we gotta be successful and you gotta perform and you gotta make sure these things are happening. And, and, and maybe no one spoke that to you, but it was kind of just a, a thing in your life. Matter of fact, I, I think that some of you, if you were honest with yourself, you you've been you were raised with this expectation to go go grind grind go like you got you got to work you got to work you got you got to get it done you got to get it done you, and I, I think the, I think the previous generation was even worse about this than ours is but but man I think for a lot of it, it's like you got to get it get it get it go 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 and you got to earn your spot earn your spot earn your spot and and I think for many of us that type of expectation has created a mentality in our life that if you were honest to this day you really don't even know how to rest. Like you, you have this go, 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 go type of mentality. And it's, it's shaped how you view everything in your life to the degree that you can't get over the guilt of enjoying sitting still. Like you, I don't know how to just sit still, Brad, because every time I sit still, I feel like I need to be doing something else. And, and you've bought into a performance identity where if you're not producing, you're not valuable. But i mean, to tell you that's a lie. Matter of fact, uh, there's a meme going around on the internet right now uh, where it says, uh, sorry if I seem like I'm chasing perfection. I was scared into believing the rapture could happen in the next 20 seconds my whole life. <laughs> and so, uh, which, <laughs> uh, <laughs> trauma bonding. So... <clears throat> Not to say that I think that's a terrible thing. I think we need to be aware of the fact that our life could end at any time and living our life accordingly. I think those, all those things are fine. But, but I, I, think, I think that that pursuit of performance has even shaped how many of us view God. Where you feel like if you're not doing good enough today, you can't draw close to God today. Like when, when I'm checking the list and I'm doing great spiritually, me and God are great, but when I'm not checking that list, me and God are, we're just far from each other. I'm going to tell you, he's never far from you. You just may be far from him. But you believe that when you're not performing properly, that all of a sudden God doesn't want to be close to you. And that's a lie. It's not true. It's something that the expectations have cultivated an environment where the background music of our lives tells us when you're not killing it, you're failing. And when you're failing, no one wants to be close to you. And I think for many of us, it shaped the way we live our life and it shaped the way view, we view God. But I'm going to tell you, that's not the way God views you. When you're not doing well, your mindset should be, it shouldn't be, I'm really scared of my dad. Your mindset should be, I really need my dad. And maybe growing up, you didn't have that kind of family environment, but I'm going to tell you that is the way we should approach God. It shouldn't be When I'm messing up, I'm terrified to go to God. No, no, no. It should be, I'm messing up, man. I really need God. And I think for a lot of us, we just never got there. We could never quite understand that because the expectations that were placed on us were, if you're not doing right, if you're not doing well, you need to get it together. Because if you don't get it together, everything's going to fall apart and you're never going to be worth anything. And I'm here to tell you, a lot of you, you're trying to do the right thing with God, but it's more of a duty than it is a delight. It's not something you love, it's something you terrified that if you don't do it when you do need God, you're not gonna have someone to go to. But I'm here to tell you today that God is looking for you. He's coming after you. And in Matthew 13, Jesus finishes the parable. And he says this, I wanna show you something. Cause he says this about, remember we talked about the different types of soil. We talked about the, the ground. So this is what he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. What's the easiest way he snatches it away? With words, which is the words that were spoken over us. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And what is that? That's our environments. Anybody ever been in a situation where you were wanting to draw near to God, but because of the environment you were in, it kept yanking you back away? Friends situations, right? You started to spring up, but you just couldn't get there. The seed falling amongst the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. And that's our expectations that were placed on us. But this is what he says. But the seed falling on good soil, say good soil. Good soil soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop. So a, a bountiful, a harvest produces something good, good fruit, abundant life. Yielding, says this in the text, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Think about it. Though the seed was small, the harvest was large because it was in good soil. And Jesus is specifically talking about the kingdom of God resonating in our hearts in this passage. But again, if you can't own your thoughts to see things properly, then the kingdom of God is always gonna have a difficult time setting into your heart. That's why many of you, you've tried to pursue God, but then it keeps falling apart. Why? because what's happening is the seed isn't getting on the right ground. But part of the reason it's not getting on the right ground is because the soil is not being cultivated properly because the soundtrack keeps messing up your thoughts. It's changing how you see God and it's making everything harder. I, I put it like this, your thoughts about God and his kingdom are directly connected to what you think about your own life. Your thoughts about God and his kingdom are directly connected to what you think about your own life. Because if you can't see yourself, if you can't change the background music for you, you'll never see God clearly. And so what do we do? we got to change the environment, which is what we're going to do over the next seven weeks. But I want to speak this to some of you as we're wrapping up. Because when we go back and read that passage in Matthew 13, this parable about the seed, did you notice something? It fell on the path and the birds ate it. We read that. It fell on rocky soil and it tried to sprout out, but it couldn't. It fell amongst the thorns and the thorns choked it. We, we read all that, right? Then it fell on good soil. But guess what? The seed was never the problem. The soil was. And for some of you, I want you just to lean in. I know you're writing the word soil. That shouldn't take long, but I want you to S-O-I. No, right, sorry. You've all written it. So I just want you to look at me for a second and lean in because I want you to hear my heart. I think this is a God moment for some of you. The seed, you and what God put in you was never the problem. The soil was, you think you were the problem. You think you had some issues and because of your issues, God could never do something great with your life. It was never your issues. It was always the environment that your issues were in. It was what surrounded you. That's the bad part. So you didn't have a great environment to thrive in. But some of you, you've given up on the seed because of the soil. But I'm here to tell you what we're aiming to accomplish is let's change the soil. Because it's not too late for the seed to produce a hundredfold or 60-fold or 30-fold in your life. It's not too late for God to do something great in your life. It's not too late for God to accomplish something through your life. Why? Because it was never the seed's problem. The seed were all the same. It was the soil. So what if we started changing the soil of our lives? What if we started changing the background? What if we started changing... The place that the gifting and the anointing was being planted in, i.e. our minds. And what if we started surrendering those to God? Because as a man thinks, so is he. So what if we started changing that? And listen to me, I guarantee it. If you started changing the soil, you'll see the seed start to produce. So I'm inviting you, let's change the soil because that's what's gonna change everything. So how do, you, how do you change things starting tomorrow? Well, for one, we're gonna spend seven weeks helping you align, refocus, and replace. We're gonna do all that together. But for you, choose to create a soundtrack for your thoughts to thrive. When you wake up tomorrow, you're looking in the mirror, you're on social media, and those, that reel starts to play. You're not good enough because the words that were spoken over you. Or it's always going to be this way because the environment you were raised in. Or I got to perform, perform, perform because of the expectations that were placed on you. When those things start to happen, rep- go ahead and stop that soundtrack. And let's play a different one. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. I'm not going to keep buying into that lie. I'm not going to keep going to that place. And I'm telling some of you right now, if, if you'll hear my heart as we wrap up today, if you'll take the next seven weeks serious, it'll change the trajectory of your life. I'm serious, man. Some of you, you think it's too late because you're 35. I talked to some of you, you think it's too late because you're 25. Everybody that's 55 or 65 is going, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm serious though. Because we, it's so easy to find people that are doing better than where we are. It's easy to believe that we've already failed. Our seed is wasted. It's not. You still got time. God can still do great things. And here's what I've realized. I didn't say this in the 830 service, but I'll say it to some of you. If if you were where you wish you were, say it again, if you were where you wish you were, you would still wish you were somewhere else. So stop thinking that your seed would have been better if you were where you wish you were, because if you were where you wish you were, you would wish you were somewhere else. It's not too late for your seed if we'll start today and start changing the soil. So let's get to work letting God do something great through our life. John A. Cuff says this, if you can worry, you can wonder. If you can doubt, you can dominate. And if you can spin out of control, you can soar. So let's make the decision today because God wants to do something through us. And if we all did it together, man, that could be something great. And I think for many of you, one of the reasons you've yet to do this is because many of you have spent your whole life trying to make sure everybody else was okay. Your thoughts have run away from you. You've struggled to walk something like this out because you are the person that everyone else goes to when they need help. So you're, tra- you're the encourager. You're, you're te- you, you know everything I just preached today because you're really good at telling somebody else. You don't need to believe those things. You're beautiful. And you look in the mirror and you're like, oh. Am I lying? You're really good at encouraging someone else. You got this. You can be victorious. But when you're trying, you're telling yourself, you're never going to make it. It's background music for you. I'm here to tell you today, it's time you take at least the next seven weeks and let's put the mirror on yourself and let's get you where you need to be. Because I I put it like this, before we can change somebody else's life, what if we started changing our own? Because if we did that, then we could inspire others with the godly life we actually live not just the one we're trying to give others. We could live it ourselves. So let's make it our mission, amen? Let me pray for you today. Father, we thank you and we love you. We're so grateful that you've, you, you meet with us. God, it is your desire that we walk victorious lives that are a declaration of your goodness. So God, I pray right now for all of us that we replace the soundtracks in our mind, the background music that plays, And God, we would see what you're trying to accomplish. You're not just gonna do something great to our life. You're gonna do something great through our life. But let it start with us. Help us shape our thoughts better. I pray for every person that that this series, God, would transform our hearts starting today. That we're gonna start choosing our soundtracks rather than letting soundtracks just show up. In Jesus' name. If you're here today, you say, Brad, I, I do want to change my soundtracks, but before I can do that, I got to be honest. I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Maybe I know about God, but I know I'm not a Christian, but I, I need to be. I'm ready to surrender to him. If that's you, the beauty of the gospel is that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sins. And to receive forgiveness, all you got to do is believe. Put your faith in Jesus that when he died on the cross, he paid for yours too, and you're forgiven. And because of that, we repent of that life. We turn away and we start living a life going after Jesus. But today, if you're ready to make that step, we want to invite you to pray this prayer with us to put words to what you're believing in your heart. And that's that Jesus died and paid for your sins and rose again. So I want to invite you to pray this prayer and the whole church will pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that pray that. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola more information about our church, or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.